FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning, and we have a very special shout-out this morning to those living, li- listening in Esperance, Western Australia on 87.6, on those in Jindera, New South Wales on 88.0, and on in Tabletop. I say on tabletop, in tabletop. It's kind of weird to say in tabletop. Let's just say listening on tabletop in New South Wales on 88.0. If you are listening from one of those locations, do send us a text message or give us a call. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. We always love to hear from our listeners every morning. And you might be wondering where Lawson is this morning. We don't have the double L team here this morning. We've got Mon stepping in for Lawson this morning. Lawson, well, you guessed it. He was playing basketball last night. He was doing what Lawson does. He rolled his ankle again. This time it seems that he landed in hospital with it. So we've been praying for Lawson this morning for a speedy recovery and also maybe suggesting that he takes up chess maybe as an alternative sport, maybe getting a little bit too old for basketball there, Lawson. Uh, we'll have to have that conversation when you get back here into the studio and get back on air again, but I think he's probably feeling a little bit sore and sorry for himself. This morning, I just want to mention that uh, I was working with the Raymond Terrace op shop yesterday, which serves the Raymond Terrace community, and producer Shell and myself helped clean out a deceased estate, so we do appreciate people who uh, leave their... It's, it's a responsible thing to do, to leave your will to a good cause. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're with Lyle and Mon because Lawson <laughs> has wrecked his ankle. He's not here this morning. Please keep him in your prayers and shoot us a text message that we can pass on to him to give him a bit of encouragement. But uh, Mon, it's time for the quiz. So let's, sure have, let's have the first question for our quiz. Sorry. <laughs> Who warned Pilate to have nothing to do with Jesus? Okay. Yeah. Who was that? Some sensible person. All right. Who warned Pilate to have nothing to do with Jesus? Number to call? That people should listen more to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, number to call 0491 So who warned Pilate not to have anything to do with Jesus? To have nothing to do with Jesus? Nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah, who have warned nothing, Pilate have to have nothing, nothing, to, nothing do, to do with Jesus? Yeah, 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. Now... Mon, you were out of practice being on radio this morning? <laughs> I'm out of practice. We're setting my alarm is what I'm out of practice at. Sounding a little bit of out of breath there, came <laughs> yeah. running in. So we're going to give Mon, we're give Mon a, uh, a second to get her thoughts in order. So we're going to do serious news first this morning. Mm. Um, we just, well, just to mix things up anyway, just in case you were wondering that it was getting too regular. It's going to be like dinner. We're going to have the mains first and then some sweet dessert later. We usually have dessert first, don't we? Yeah, we do, yeah. I think that's a really good idea. I always have dessert first when I think I can get away with it. <laughs> so naughty, Lyle. All right. So this is I, – I want – okay, so I want everybody's thoughts on this one. This is a new Texas law. Oh. So this is a law that requires, okay, public schools, so not uh, church or faith-based schools, but public schools – to display In God We Trust posters. 
This is Senate Bill 797. It was pr- mm-hmm. proposed by Senator Brian Hughes. Uh, this was also uh, back in 2003 he passed a bill that allowed schools to display the In God We, In God we Trust motto. So back in 2003 they weren't allowed to display that. Yeah, so like almost 20 years ago they weren't allowed to. Yes, now- no In God We Trust mm-hmm. 20 years ago. So he passed a bill to say, no, you can have that. Okay. Now he's gone the next step and said, you must have that. Yeah, I still think it's out of line. <sighs> okay. All right, so let's think about it. The display must feature the American flag and the Texas state flag. No additional words, images, or other information are permitted. Uh, and he states that it asserts our collective trust in sovereign God. Mm, except not all students share that. Yeah. Uh, and continuing on here, he says... Last year, he authored the In God We Trust Act, which requires a school to display the motto if there is no association, if, if there is no cost associated with the display. Okay, so here's the next thing. They have to display it if there is no cost associated with it. How is that possible? Nothing's free anymore. Yes, because people donate. Oh, I see. So there's all kinds of organisations all across Texas right now that are getting together and making these posters, framing them up and donating them to schools so that schools have them in their school. And then, and then because they exist, they have to put them up. Because they didn't pay for it, they have to put it up. Yeah, that's crossing lines. As soon as you said Texas was making, <clears throat> excuse me, new laws, I was getting nervous because, like, they have, like, crazy stuff. Like, you can't have an ice cream in your pocket and this kind of thing. <laughs> There's a law in Texas yeah. that says you can't have an ice cream in Legit. your pocket. You can look that up. This is positively but different But this is going to make them look like they're just trying to brainwash people into their religious faith, yeah, which is not clever. No. It's not how you win people by forcing like literally forcing by law any sort of religion to anyone's throat. Now, if this, of course, is a faith-based school, then you would expect right. that. exactly. Yes. Yeah. But if you're, let's say you're not a faith-based, you're a person of no faith and you decide, I want to send my kids to a public school, I don't want them to have a religious education. You have that right. God gives you that right. Mm-hmm. You were born with that right. It is a sacred right because the moment that God removes that right, love no longer exists. You cannot have love in a forced environment. And you don't want to make religion a stench to people. You want to make it attractive. Yeah. Okay, so the South Lake Anti-Racism Coalition has argued that the new law is reflective of a blatant intrusion of religion in a secular public institution. Moreover, they are disturbed by the precedent. And here's what I see. I don't mind the law that says you're allowed to have this in your school, in a public school, a government-funded public school. But this is the next step, and to me this is a very slippery slope and they're standing on the edge of union of church and state. Mm -hmm. And what we've got to understand about American evangelicals is that, well, the majority of them actually really believe in the union of church and state and believe that, you know, the concept of separation of church and state is a deception of Satan. Yeah. But wherever we see union of church and state, we see religion that is enforced and we see persecution as a result. It has never failed. History has never changed. It has always had the same result. And to have Revelation 13 fulfilled, you've got to have a union of church and state. Yep. It's the only way Revelation 13 can be fulfilled. And so this is kind of another step in that direction. <clears throat> Do you think this is... um? like a natural result of how things have been for the last few years and now things are swinging the other way? Because you know yes. how humans love to swing that pendulum? Yes. One extreme to the next. It is the further to the left that California goes, the further to the right that Texas goes. Yeah. 
And the scary thing about that is that more and more and more there are conversations being had about civil war in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hearing this ideological so much lines. lately. Yeah. It, that conversation started, what, three, four years ago? Mm-hmm. And it's been getting more strident ever since. Uh, they, the, the, the Sark described this as a blatant intrusion of religion that should be a secular public institution will have on the uh, student body their, their concerns about it, especially those who do not practice the dominant Christian faith. The group said it's. I don't think that. I don't think that's relevant. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you know those who practice in the dominant that this favors those who practice the dominant Christian faith is relevant because it doesn't say in Jesus we trust. Mm-hmm. That would be favoring the dominant Christian faith. It says, in God we trust, and that will apply to most of the students. But the point is, not all. So I, I have some really serious concerns right here. Okay, moving on to other issues. We've got uh, the World Boxing Council has barred transgender women from competing against biological females. This Amen. Is, this is a good thing. And this is something that we're starting to see around the world. We're starting to see it's slow to happen, but we're starting mm-hmm. to see common sense yep. start to come to the fore. And common sense and science, yep. I should say, yep. start to come to the fore, particularly in these areas where they know that there is going to be danger and litigation if and when things go wrong. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they point out that you know combat sports such as boxing – are unique in that every punch thrown at the head is thrown with the intention of winning by causing a concussive head injury. Mm-hmm. So you've actually, your aim is to actually injure the opponent. Yeah. And so to put, you know, basically men against women in this one is going to result in people dying and people have died in the ring. People have died <laughs> not long after having been in the ring. There are lots of Injuries that you can gain from this kind of sport, which kind of makes me wonder, should people be playing it? No, anyway, not at all. I was um, about to say that. It's not really a sport, and I don't think anyone should ever play competitive um, contact boxing. Yes, I, I agree. Have the gym with a bag go nuts. Yeah, but, as a form of exercise, it's yeah, fantastic. It's yeah. you, 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 tr- you try doing that, you mm-hmm. will be exhausted in about 30 milliseconds. Yeah, literally. It is insane <laughs> the level of exercise you can get from, from boxing, but... No. Yeah, I am actually morally opposed to boxing as a sport per se. And as I, a self-defense? And as a self-defense, to, fine, yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, but yeah. um, but to watch for entertainment and to throw money at to be entertained, is, to me it sucks for the gladiator. Yeah, it is very much so. The WBC advocates for two equally skilled and matched, matched athletes competing in the cage or ring on a level playing field and to keep matches fair, competitive, entertaining and most importantly safe for all combatants. Mm-hmm. At present level of scientific knowledge, the WBC consensus is that allowing transgender athletes to compete raises serious health and safety concerns. Okay, so you've got a bunch of other organisations that have done this recently, uh, FEMA FEMA in swimming, uh, the USA powerlifting, and there's going to be more and more uh, sporting organisations that are going to come down the track, that are going to go down this path. Mm -hmm. It is inevitable because of the litigation that it will result in. It's not so much that they are feeling uh, righteous about this, it's they don't want to be sued. And so, you know, you've got at least 18 states in the United States that have banned transgender athletes competing in female sports altogether in any kind of sport. Good. And so this is the this is the direction that, you know, science is heading these days. Uh, and, and so as a result of this, we're seeing, 
you know, less of this kind of thing. The, the one place that hasn't banned it is mixed martial arts. Oh, what? Yeah, you know, their entertainment value is really people just getting smashed. Yeah, that's crazy. And so that's what they're aiming for. They just killing women, basically. Anyway, let's hope they get their them sued mm-hmm. and get that. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to have another question for our quiz, and Mon is going to bring it to you. Which of the four Gospels was written to Theo- Theopolis? Theopolis? Theophilus. Thank you. Which of the four Gospels was written to Theopolis? <laughs> Come on. I'm not usually awake. Get your, get your Greek together, Mon. It is, it is, it is 7.26 in the morning. It's time and I to- have been to Greece, so I have no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to Greece? Yes. How amazing. It is just a sensational country. Such a dip into history. I love Uh it. My favourite was uh, St. George's Church of Milk. Oh. Yeah, and they were were poor goat herders and they really wanted to build a church and they didn't have any mortar and so they mixed the milk from their goats with mud and that's what they used for mortar. The churches in Maine. I don't think I went to that one. I do not remember it. My favourite place was Philippi. Yeah, that's nice too, huh? Yeah, pretty yeah. spot. Yeah, beautiful place. Anyway, which of the four Gospels was written to Theopolis? What am I even saying? <laughs> Say it again for me, Lyle. Theopolis. Thank you. Where Where is that located? Say so, it's so coming in. <laughs> where is that located? Uh, Theophilus was an individual. And, oh, I thought it was a place. <laughs> <laughs> See, what we should have had for a quiz question this morning is... Whereabouts on the map is, is Theophilus? Mon's brain. <laughs> Can you find Mon's brain? Is it anywhere at all? Oh, dear. <laughs> Wait, who is the lop? The- <laughs> who is Theo? I've never heard of this character. We just call him Theo. Okay, who Theo, is he? Theo's a popular Greek name. I know a bunch of Theos. <laughs> same, same. Wait, is, is Theo short for Philopolis? Oh, I still can't say it. Uh, Theo is, there's a... A, a, a number of different ways that... Uh, the, oh, Theodore. Theodore, yeah. Theophilus, Theodora, uh-huh. the feminine version. I know I know a, a feminine... Uh, I think we yeah. Theo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a few different um, names you can get from it. I didn't... I have to go look this guy up in the Bible now. I didn't know who existed. Uh, it's a it's a name from which we get the word, or which the name gets the word from one way around, but it comes from theology. Oh. It's related to theology. Oh, how cool. Yes. I, I hope this guy knew his scriptures, his scrolls, because otherwise he's letting his name well, down. He probably, probably did after the, after he finished reading them. <laughs> True. All right. You can uh, give us a call, 0491064669, and you can go into the draw to win the prize that we are drawing on Friday. So every time you get an answer right, you get an extra draw into the quiz, uh, into the prize draw. So there's five quiz questions per day, which means you could be getting five extra draws per day. 25 entries into the quiz at the uh, prize at the end of the day, at the end of Friday. The prize this week is a beautiful KJV Bible with Mark Finley study helps. It's a bonded leather Bible in the colour black. So it features self-pronouncing additions, uh, proper names that are divided, accented and marked with the vowel sounds showing how they should be pronounced. I really could have used that on the quiz this morning, producer show. Um, <laughs> Centre column reference, clear eligible 11 point type size and Words of Christ in Red. And the Mark Finley study helps includes 125 famous Bible passages, stories and events, understanding prophetic symbols, that's always a good one, great prophecies 
of the Bible, another good one, Bible Study Series 1, uh, which is Bible Studies You Can Give, and Bible Study Series 2, More Bible Studies You Can Give. That's actually super useful, having a Bible that has some Bible study guides in the back. So if you're ever like just in a moment that catches you unaware when you can have an opportunity to share the Bible, you can actually flick to the back of the Bible and it has a quick guideline and it shows you how to... Um, Give a Bible study. I've used the Bible study guides in the back of my Bible several times. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, it's yes. really handy. Especially like Very if you, handy. If, you know, if you're a bit nervous about sharing the Bible, it's really great having a Bible that has this guidelines at the back. So, yeah, super Fantastic handy. Stuff. So, yeah, awesome. give us a call, 0491-064-669. And before I start sharing the good news, I just want to say a quick shout-out. Is that all right? Can I do a shout-out? Yeah, go for it. I want to say hello to Marta's dad. So, Mr. Rutkowski. Ah, oh, Marta Rutkowski. Yeah. She used to be the producer. We used to have producer Marta yeah, here back a in long the day. Da- a long time ago, and I spent uh-huh. the weekend with her. And do you know what she told me? Uh-huh. She told me her dad has been listening to The Breakfast Show since the day it started. That is, yeah. that was like 10 years? It's like, it's been, it's been a while, and he, he'll contact her and tell her about what was happening on The Breakfast Show every day. Shout <laughs> out to Marta's dad. What a... What a guy. Yeah, great great to have you listening. We appreciate it. So I hope you're having a wonderful, blessed day. I have some fabulous news from, unbelievably enough, the world of chemicals, Lyle. Cool. So there's been a breakthrough. I like chemicals. Do you really? Yes. <laughs> Why? What are you cooking in your kitchen, Lyle? Because with chemicals, I can blow things up. <laughs> Such a male. See, that's that's the only reason I went to science class when I was in high school was because there was always the potential of okay, we have Bunsen burners, we have sulfur. Let's get some charcoal and saltpeter, add that together, <laughs> and imagine what, what we can do. And then, of course, we get into science class, and it's like, oh, we can use a Bunsen burner to boil water, and what bubbles and steam coming out of it. And I'm like, that's so lame. <laughs> I do that every day. I just learned how to boil water. Yeah. It's a, a skill you should have taken with you into adulthood, though, Lyle. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Do you know what? Actually, when I started high school science, I was so excited about blowing things up as well. I kept pestering the teacher, when are we doing the units where we learn how to blow things up? And when we finally got to that unit, I literally got my exercise book out and I wrote... Um, for the heading of the whole, like on the front of the cover, I wrote things that go boom. <laughs> See, we never had that unit. Yeah, you we didn't. never. They never let us anywhere near that unit. They were like, no, no. They no. probably took one look at you and were like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they've got a breakthrough that might finally destroy the harmful forever chemicals in our water. Oh, yeah. So, um, cool. There's like a group plastics. of you got it. So uh, it's, I'm going to try and pronounce this, polyfluoroalkyl substances. So PFAS um, is a group of manufactured chemicals commonly used since the 1940s. They're referred to as forever chemicals because bacteria can't eat them, fire can't incinerate them, and water can't dilute them. And um, if they're buried, they leach into surrounding soil. So Northwestern University chemists have done the seemingly impossible. So using low temperatures and inexpensive common substances, they have actually developed a process that causes two major classes of these forever chemical compounds to fall apart, leaving behind only benign end products. This is crazy because they've been experimenting mostly with high, high temperatures, like 400 degrees Celsius, and now they've discovered, like, low temperature is actually, like... The bit yeah, I would never have thought of that. Freeze it and it goes away? 
I mean, yeah. usually you freeze things to preserve them. So this is actually really great because it is it like this stuff has been used for seventy years in stuff like um, non-stick and waterproofing agents, like uh, cookware, waterproof cosmetics, firefighting foams, water repellent fabrics, Ooh. products that resist grease and oil. Anything like that is creating and um, adding these forever chemicals into our environment. They need a lot of that out near Williamtown. <laughs> What's, what's happening in Williamtown? Oh, the whole area, the ground is just polluted with uh, firefighting chemicals oh. because they're always practicing. You know, the, the RAAF is practicing. You know, everybody practices out there putting out fires and, and it's just destroyed the whole water table. Uh, yeah, I would not be drinking tap water from there. <laughs> you'd be, yeah, I'd be, you'd be growing, growing extra heads if you yeah. were doing that. <laughs> yeah, a couple of extra limbs. Um, yeah, so the Dr. William uh, Ditchell, who's leading the study, um, this, I'm a little bit nervous because they're using chemistry to address the problem and I feel like sometimes you create a bigger monster than what you're trying to resolve, so to speak. You know how when they introduce a species to take care of an introduced species and it just gets crazy? I'm a little bit worried that this study might end up in madness, but so far they're having a lot of success um, doing this. So the secret to its indestructibility lies in its chemical bonds. Uh, for any of you like science nerds who understand what I'm saying now, it contains many carbon fluorine bonds, but the strongest bonds are organic chemistry. And so they have an electronegative element in the periodic table. <laughs> Why did I even bother reading this out? <laughs> no one understands this, right? But anyway, what they've, well, we can, what we, they've we, found... We just need to invite <clears throat> Dr. John Ashton on. He'd tell us all oh, about he, it. He would totally tell us. But what they've found is that these forever chemicals basically have an Achilles heel. So they have a long tail of unyielding carbon fluoride bonds, but at one end of the molecules there's a charge group that often um, contains oxygen atoms and uh, and they can actually target that group by heating it, adding a couple of basic chemicals. Literally common household chemicals used to make products like soap or painkillers are, are what they're adding. And then with the low heat, it's decapitating this group of Achilles heels. Um, so you cut the chemicals. tail off the snake rather than the head. Literally, yeah. And they're finding that it's uh, it's working really well. So now they're just trying to try and find out whether or not they can actually um, – you know, do this on mass because you can you can filter out these chemicals, but then you still have them. Like, where are you going to put them? Anywhere you put them, it contaminates and and destroys. Mm. So you, you put them in the, like another body of water that's useless. If you put them in the soil, also useless. So this is this is really great uh, step forward, I think, to um, figuring out what on earth to do with all the mess that we're creating. <laughs> we really know how to make a mess of the planet, don't we? Maybe these forever chemicals will be here until Jesus comes, which will be great, to be honest. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to head into our interview of the day. Before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Let's get into it. There's an amazing prize to win this time, a Mark Finley study Bible. No, a study Bible with Mark Finley helps. Yeah, bonded black leather. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Yes. Okay, so the question is this. Which of these for a long... Hang on, which of these for a long with... Oh, okay. Which of these, for along with Alexander, did Paul hand over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme? And there's four options. Was it A, Demetrius, B, Elemas, C, Hymen? Why did you do this? <laughs> or D, Petroclus? Oh, can you read those out for me, please? I'm dying. Demetrius, Elemas, Hymenaeus, uh, Patroclus. I'm not going to ask I'm where they are. I'm not familiar with that one, that last one, Patroclus. I'm not, not going to ask where they are just in case they're humans. 
But if you know the answer, please give us a call zero four nine one zero. You know what we need to do? Have you ever watched those YouTube those YouTubes of where they go around and they do vox pops on the street and they just make people look silly by asking geography you know, what, questions? What language do they speak in Ohio? Oh, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. We should do this with you, Mon, with Bible names. Hundred percent. Every single one. All four of those are dudes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, which of these, for along with Alexander, did Paul hand over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme? I'm not going to read them out again. Give us a buzz zero four nine one zero six four six. I'll read them out for you one more time. Thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll read them. Uh, Demetrius, Elemus, Hymenaeus, Patroclus. Can we not have any more Greek names, please, in the rest of the quiz? <laughs> Joining us on the phone this morning, as he does on a monthly basis, is our resident expert on the book of Genesis, Baron Neustraten. Baron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lyle. We are getting our way through this book. We're up to chapter 40. Yeah, a few more chapters and we'll be done. But let's get into Genesis chapter 40. And we've got this story coming through of... I guess, Joseph's dreams, the fulfillment of those dreams, the butler and the baker and not the candlestick baker, but definitely the prisoner is involved in this. Where do we, where do we pick this story up? It's an amazing story, isn't it? Uh, there is the dream. You know, when you read this story of Joseph there and the capacity, God-given the capacity to interpret the dreams, makes you think of Daniel, doesn't it? Oh, very and, much so, uh, yes. Yeah. And it, it, it's incredible that both are brilliant administrators because here he is, here is Joseph. He's in the prison of which Potiphar is the head. He's actually still working for Potiphar, to be precise. Yes. Which is, it's the house of the captain of the guard, and it is a prison. And so that's rather amazing. But And, of course, he gives God the credit as well as did Daniel perpetually. And so, yeah, there is, uh, he gets company uh, in prison. Uh, he is certainly entrusted with uh, the, the running of the prison, and he does a wonderful job. And then he becomes, shall I say, he becomes commissioned to look after two uh, employees, high-ranking employees of Pharaoh. And uh, it involves a, a cupbearer, which is basically what the butler is, and the baker. Both are very, uh, what shall we say, very important jobs because you can imagine that uh, to poison the head of state was not uncommon. Dynasties would be, uh, what shall we say, uh, exchanged after a murder. Uh, so there was always a guarding for this type of occurrence and the people that would taste your drinks would be, in fact, that was what the chief butler's job was, is to make absolutely sure there be no poison, and the best way to do that is to have a drink. And the food, of course, is not just about quality of the food, but it is about the the purity of the food. So this was very important. Yes, These this, were this very high-ranking officials. And this was an era when a change of government involved only the change of one person. Very often, indeed, yeah, very often, indeed, yeah. Okay, so... so so these are, we, I think we really underestimate just how important these are, but you do get a glimpse of it when you look at, say, for instance, um, the time of Nehemiah who held this yeah, position. And yeah, in many yeah. ways, the, 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 the cupbearer in Persian times was right up there with Prime Minister of the Empire. Oh, yes. They were an absolute confidence, you know, the, 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 the confidence 
the trust that was invested in them was quite significant. Mm, yeah. mm. Okay, so both of these guys end up being thrown into prison at the same time. And, of course, this is the prison where Joseph is. You kind of wonder what kind of a conspiracy Pharaoh heard yeah. about that uh, he's tossed them both in. Yeah, the Bible is silent on that. What we do know, they both were thrown in at the same time, so it had to be with consumption. Uh, the remarkable thing also is they had a dream at the same time, at the same night, and the number three was involved in each of their dreams. Clearly, there was a relation between those dreams. They knew that. The interesting thing is that as Joseph approaches them, and he's there to help them, and he wants to help them. He wonders, he asks them, why are your faces so sad? Because the trouble is they have no interpreter. You know, the courts of pharaohs, like so many other courts, had interpreters for dreams. Mm-hmm. Because it was believed that dreams, of course, was a message from the other side. So then he invites them to tell them the dream. And uh, in fact, that in verse 9, the chief battler gets off first, and he, he tells him to dream. And we're familiar with that when we look at the divine and the three branches and, you know, it blossomed and then clusters and uh, grapes came forth and then he held Pharaoh's cup in his hand and he put the grapes in it. And uh, and then the outcome is very positive, very positive. And this is the first uh, one that is explained. So that would get the second person. You know, you kind of wonder when you read this story, you know, did Pharaoh get sick and neither of these guys got sick? And he's like, okay, who's conspiring here? I need to find out which one. Um, Uh, So the first one gets this really positive uh, outcome for his dream, which would give confidence to the second one. Oh, it absolutely did. And one can only uh, imagine the, the great disappointment. But then again, we don't know what the story really was. As you said, I mean, were they guilty? Who was guilty? Uh, that, that is, the, the Bible is silent on that, and it gives us no information. Mm. Uh, but it is interesting that, yes, indeed, the first one comes off really well, and he must have been very happy, and the prediction comes out in three days. And Joseph has an expression here. He says that in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. And uh, in this case, it means restoring you to your place, and you're resuming your former occupation again. And then, of course, he puts the request to him, you see. And um, and uh, the man seems to be grateful at the time, and uh, he might have made all the promises in the world, but Joseph uh, expressing why he's there and that he's innocent and seeking some intervention or some uh, intercession from this uh, butler, uh, probably very much promised as well. I bet he uh, he was given an undertaking, but the man forgot, didn't he? That's so, so typical. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have we done the same thing? You get, yeah. side, you get sidetracked and you so quickly forget what took place. And, you know, you can imagine in an important role like that, he probably had lots of responsibilities yeah. and uh, not necessarily got to see Pharaoh that often, uh, but, yeah, he forgot. What's it, what I, I find it interesting here, and well, the question that goes through my mind is this, you know, clearly God interpreted these dreams, so clearly God knew the future. Yeah. kind of makes you wonder, did God also know who was guilty and was did, did uh, God pronounce sentence here? I mean, we don't have the answer to that, but no, you kind of get, no. get that feeling about it. Yeah, you do. 
you do because then we get to the bacon and, and bad luck to the bacon. Mm. It is amazing that if you look at the writing, the record, as it is in the scripture, uh, that he gives the interpretation. It's a single line. Verse 19, within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head. Now, not lift up your head, lift off your head. That means decapitation from you. And hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from, from you. It's just a single line. Couldn't he have made a, a softer approach to this terrible news? Now, he gives it straight to him by the look of the, uh, of the account here. Mm. And uh, the, the thing is, it came to pass on the survey that, uh, oh, it was Pharaoh's birthday indeed, yes, that he made a feast for all the servants, and so the, the butler was restored, or the cupbearer, and the baker, unfortunately, was hanged, and indeed uh, the birds ate his flesh. Yeah, terrible. Yes, and 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 I mean, you know, you you think about you will be put up on a pole. Hopefully, he yeah. hopefully for his sake, he was decapitated first because that yeah. wasn't always what happened when people were impaled on a pole back in those no, days. Correct, correct. Unfortunately, right. yeah. Yeah, very cool. He um, unfortunately spent another two years in jail. Uh, the doctor had forgotten, and uh, that was very sad. And uh, you wonder about the man Potiphar, that's just not mentioned, other than being the captain of the guard. There's no interaction recorded in the Bible. Uh, another two years until the next dreams, also two dreams, but had by the one person come along, and then his release will be secured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A couple more years, and you wonder why, and I'm sure that, yeah. Joseph was wondering why, why am I still here in prison? You know, hopefully he could have, you know, with a good word from the butler, got out of prison and gone back to being a slave, which would be better than being a prisoner. Yeah. But God actually and has something God, else in mind. Yes, and that's the remarkable thing, isn't it? So, the the yes, if he would have been free, he would have been one amongst many in a society and not featured anywhere in particular. Mm. But because of the capacity to explain the the two dreams, of course, had by the Pharaoh two years later, and given the interpretation plus the advice, uh, yeah, that put him right on the top. And he was easy to find. I mean, this was not in a day when you could just jump on Facebook and like, oh, where's so-and-so living these days? Oh, they're in such and no, such a place. Right. You know, let me send them a messenger on messenger and, and, and have them come over and, and help Pharaoh interpret his dream. You can't do no. that back then. I mean, out of the millions of people living in Egypt, you'd be like, well, how do I find Joseph? You know, he got out of prison yeah. two years ago and he's been, he was a slave and he's been sold here and yeah. sold there and sold somewhere else. But because he's in prison, a person who's in yeah. prison is remarkably easy to find. It must have still taken a lot of faith to believe that God, uh, yeah, obviously meant well. Yes. And uh, Joseph had that faith, but it would have been a bitter disappointment that he was not accommodated by the butler. And there must have been many times when he really questioned what God was doing. Oh, yes. Mm. But there it is. Uh, again, in hindsight, it was the best way. Yes. God or God's timing knows no haste and no delay. Okay, so Indeed. Pharaoh now has this dream, and what does Pharaoh dream? Most unusual dream. Yeah, it's a most unusual dream, and it's worthy of uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, what shall I say commentary. Um, again, it comes to pass. The wonderful thing about those dreams is, as they are on the record, 
they come to pass. And, and it, it just verifies the incredible, what shall I say, the incredible accuracy of the prophecies as they are given by whoever was employed to do so by God. Mm. You, you kind um, of you wonder know, when, you, when you see this, I mean, obviously a lot of the dreams that, that are being interpreted by the uh, court dream interpreters are just the court interpreters making stuff up or alternatively yeah. they are things that are being influenced by Satan himself. It's not common that God speaks to human beings through a dream. He does do it from time to time, but it's not an everyday occurrence. You kind no, of wonder no, whether good. whether um, these particular dreams and their interpretation, an accurate interpretation, you know, the first thing that goes through my mind is, isn't that going to give weight to all of the, you know, sorcerers and and uh, witches and so forth that uh, that are part of the Egyptian cabinet? But yeah. I think that the interpretation of these dreams was very specific and they star- starkly different from the interpretations that the uh, that the cabinet would have come up with. Yes, it would have been very, very different. In fact, of course, in the next dream that we will be uh, looking at, uh, the, the double dream of Pharaoh, clearly uh, his own mob did not have the answers. Uh, and again, there's the similarity in the failure, of course, of the wise man there in front of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and so it, it clearly proves, uh, you know, there's only one who can really give you the answers. And that is what both Daniel and both Joseph absolutely put right in front of their various interpretations, which are proven to be correct. It's wonderful to have that affirmation. Well, it is indeed. And we've got the response that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar makes. And it takes him a long time to get there. It takes him most of his life to get there. But yeah. he eventually gives his life to God and we'll have that privilege of seeing him again. It kind of makes you wonder whether... Um, you know, the, uh, the the butler in this case, I wonder what impression yeah. is made on his mind in relationship to God. I wonder what impression yeah. made on Pharaoh's mind. I mean, it certainly made a very powerful impression on Pharaoh's mind because of, you know, how he responds to it, and it turns out to be something that makes Pharaoh very, very wealthy. Yeah, and you wonder, uh, but the Bible, again, is silent whether there are any converts out of this remarkable story. There may not have been, but there could have been. We don't know. Mm. Baron, we're going to have to wait until next month to uh, do an in-depth commentary on Pharaoh's dream where you've got, yeah, I've got some strange things happening. You've got cows eating cows and corn eating corn and uh, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be an interesting one but one that is well attested to in the Bible and in history as well. Uh, yeah. But we do thank you for joining us to talk about Chapter 40 this morning. A pleasure. You're listening to Baron Neustraten right there with our monthly update on the book of Genesis. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.